Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Loaded show today. A lot of college football talk. We'll check in with our national college football insider, Michael Felder, in just a little bit. LeBron against the media. LeBron against Jerry Jones. Uh, Frankly, all of us, the world should be against Jerry Jones. We'll get to that with Xavier Pope in about 20 minutes. 77 cent beers once Thursday night football starts here at Silver 7. John Von Tobel is the company back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. We come out of the gates. John and I are big college football fans. I'm slightly older than John, so I've told the story a million times of, like, literally getting depressed. And I don't get depressed over sports much anymore because I root for so many losing teams. I've just been battered and beaten. But I can remember back to, I think it was 99 or 2000, sitting, I always like to tell the story, because sitting at Mandalay Bay, and at the time they had, what, that BCS thing, right, in college football? You're right. And, and John, I, I actually have memories of how much the college football system sucked Going back to probably 82, 83, 84, right? When I was a preteen, and for some reason, I latched on to Nebraska football, right? And I remember I would watch in the, the rankings in like 82, 83, 84, 85, and I'm like, God, this system sucks. And back then, remember, you could have split champions. The BCS was a big improvement. You could have split champions. And back then, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I, I'm, a, I'm a young person, and... There are playoffs in all sports. Why are there not real playoffs in college football? But anyway, to jump ahead to 99-2000, they had extended the BCS deal at the time, right? And I was like, I hate this system so much. It sucks. And my co-host at the time was the sports pig. And the news came out about the extension, and the sports pig just laughed and laughed and <laughs> laughed. Because and, I used to get so worked up. Right. Even doing sports talk radio in the 90s. And listen, maybe we're not across the finish line, but long story short, this is what I think all college football fans should want. This is what all schools should want. This is what all athletes should want is a real playoff system where a bunch of schools have access and the little guys can dare to dream like they do in the NCAA tournament. We've seen you know, these crazy runs to the Final Four by Butler and George Mason, and at the time it was crazy for Gonzaga. And you know, even back in the day, you'd have smaller schools make a run, a Penn, a Charlotte, make a run to the Final Four. And so think about that. That was me talking about college football 40 years ago when I was a kid, 20 years ago when I was doing sports talk radio as a late 20-something, early 30-something, and just wishing, wishing, wishing. And now we finally got approval yesterday. It's going to be 2024 or 25. Let's speed it up. The last pin that had a fall was the Pac-12. Pac-12 slash Rose Bowl. Really, Rose Bowl Bowl is in. And now we got it. So now we got a 12-team playoff, and and I did see one person yesterday on the thread. So like, oh, now there's going to be arguments over 13 and 14. Okay. If you're still going to try to stoke flames on that, you're not a sports fan. More games, more open competition for a championship, that's what all sports fans want. So if you've got any objection to this, please walk away. Please. I don't want to hear it anymore. We got what we wanted. We got what we wanted, and we get a cool version of it, right? So first round of the playoff in 2024 – uh, takes place week ending uh, Saturday, December 21st. But it's going to be the home field of a higher-seeded team. They threw this wrinkle in, though, or at the designated – or another site designated by the higher-seeded school. So there's still a chance there's like a faux-neutral site, I guess, involved. Like, I guess if you're Georgia, can you decide if you want to play at the Mercedes-Benz as opposed to, uh, you know, at your own home field? I would want 
to play at your own home field, like specifically, because the environment would be awesome and it would be great for TV, but maybe there's that chance. But that's what I'm looking forward to. Like this first round, true home playoff games for some of these teams are going to be great. And you look at some of the matchups you could potentially have this year for some of those teams that are inside the top 12 right now. It'd be incredible games to watch transpire. By the way, doesn't that anyone who's – because the other objection is, oh, now the season, the regular season is devalued. No, it's not. It's still going to be hard to get in. And then how valuable is it to be a top four seed or have home field? Right. If you're not a top four seed, so you're going to play your ass off down the stretch. There's not going to be freaking tanking and resting guys because, frankly, there's going to be no chance that you're officially locked in to anything. Yep. Until you go through the entire season and title games. Of course. So that's why, like, and you look at some of the other, like, when he talks about, like, what you would do to have to get it. Like, there are talks about, like, conference champions and then the top four seeded conference champions would be the top four teams, whatever it is. Uh, I Like, either way, this works out for us. This is going to be a great format. You get more teams involved. And to your point, football's a weird sport, and you can score upsets a lot, right? The What do they say, the cliche? The ball is a weird, it's an oblong shape, or it bounces a yep. funny way, whatever the cliche is. Like, you could score an upset here or there. And we have also seen, I mean, let's face it. What have we seen? The end of the season, five right. weeks ago. We do Groundhog Day with college football. Five weeks ago, everyone's like, well, this team, that team, they're locked. They're not going to lose. Oh, who, no chance they lose to that team. Hell, before the season. Before we the season. We were talking about Alabama being one of the all-time greatest teams. And Ohio Georgia, State. Georgia, Alabama, locks to get in. Ohio State's a lock to get in. No, I and mean. By, by the way, this I, I brought it up yesterday. You know this is something I've stood on for the last three or four years, that a lot of this stuff is cyclical. The transfer portal is changing things. The spread of players is changing things. And we now I believe we now have a more wide-open college football season than we've ever had, and adding a 12-team playoff in a couple of years, this thing is going to be as big as anything in sport. Frankly, I think just for American sports, I'm not talking about like the World Cup, right? For American sports, this will only pale in comparison to the Super Bowl. Yep, absolutely. And, and like, when you're looking at, like, the parity that's involved in college football now, I mean, you even look at a team like Georgia, because Georgia was considered in its own tier behind Ohio State and Alabama coming into the season. Um, But Georgia, too. Think about some of these games. Sleepwalking through the Kent State game, the Missouri game, what we just saw in that first half against Georgia Tech. I think Georgia is one of those teams that maybe – for lack of a better term, turns it on in some of the more important contests. But still, they can be caught. They can be caught by a four seed, whoever that team is going to be by the time you get there. So, no, I'm excited for this. And even even if, Steve, we get that, hey, cream rises to the top and, like, top two teams are regularly winning this thing, the rest of the games between are going to be freaking awesome. And that's going to happen. It happens in professional sports where there's free agency. There Sometimes there are dominant teams. But coaches don't stay around forever. Yep. The, the sport is so quarterback-driven. At most schools, you can't get a backup quarterback to stay around. If they're at an elite school, they're like, hey, I'm not playing here. Yep. Right? Coaches move, and then you get, you know, basically Oklahoma was a – recently was a one-coach program and apparently a one-quarterback program. Both guys leave, and they suck. Uh, yeah. Uh, or at least they're, fans, medi- they're mediocre. Well, they that, that's what this, these last, like, six, seven months have been a real punch in the face. You are – you are not locked into anything in college football season to see. You're not? No, you're not. And that's why, like, looking around just everywhere, we see we see stories about this all the time. Usually you see it, though, in lesser forms, right? Like when, when Nebraska moves on and thinks, 
Oh, regularly getting nine wins, that's not good enough for us. Bo Pelini, yeah. get out! Get out of here. You're yeah. not good enough. Now they're wishing Pelini was still there. Same thing for teams like Oklahoma, who thought that they were a program and a self-sustaining machine, and look at what happened this year to, hate to say it, really, it's... Alabama, with Nick Saban's near in the end. It's not just going to sustain itself, yeah. man. Look and at even Clemson. And we're part of this. Yeah. We are. Because, we, have, well, like I said, we have Groundhog Day every year. We just get in this, like, oh, same teams. Every, like, it's hard to win college football games. The freaking margin in each game, a couple plays here and there. Kids are also, they're kids, right? Mm-hmm. Stupid statement. I sound like Trent Dilfer, right? Kids are unpredictable. You don't know what the frig they're going to be thinking game to game, how they're going to prep each week. It's hard enough in the NFL to keep players consistent. So I love where college football is right now, and final hurdles have been crossed, and we'll have a 12-team playoff, and the, the future's absolutely dynamite. Super stoked about it. Super stoked. I'll, I'll have some questions about the Mountain West a little later in the show and also about realignment. It is something to put some thought to since Craig Thompson, right? <laughs> we'll give him credit. He was there. He was there beating the drum for the group of fives. And by the way, we should mention that again. Group of fives have one auto bid. Now there's a possibility more group of five teams can get in with outstanding seasons, but we knew with a four-team the, the absolute outlier every t- like 25 years would have been a Cincinnati, right, from the group of five. There is an auto bid. So now there, there are questions. I mean, I, I think it's an easy answer, but there are questions out there like, do you want to just reside in group of five? You may not be getting the $40 million from a TV deal, but there's a lot let, uh, less in terms of the weeds and competition that you have to get through to get that auto bid, right, yep. versus being in a power five. Like, are we ever going to see Cincinnati, South Florida, Central Florida, and BYU really compete? Maybe. Maybe. Right, for a Big 12 title? Probably. But where they were, they probably had a better shot. So, Or would you argue they have a much better shot now, again, because of the money? I think you can make the argument either way. But like with, like we talked about with some of these, even where they're at, what is Cincinnati now that Fickle's not going to be there anymore? That too. Right? <laughs> was was Luke Fickle the guy who got him to the mountaintop, and now they're going to be back to being a 7-8 and eight win program? We'll, uh, we'll get Michael Felder in here, national college football expert. With Learfield, he has the podcast there, the Field of 12 podcast. Good name. Uh, they got that a couple of years ago. Got that up on Twitter. Mike is on the way. Bring a new and unwrapped toy to player services anytime between November 20th and December 12th and receive $10 in free slot play at Silver 7s. Proceeds benefit the Las Vegas Salvation Army. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. All right, college football insider time. Michael Felder is with us from at In the Bleachers up on Twitter. Before we get to some of the games this week, uh, Mike, I just wanted your take on the coaching carousel and some of the crazy stuff that's happened already. Um, when does Dion put on his new hat? Is he really going to treat this like a college recruit and indicate uh, in a couple of days where he's going to go for his new job? I, I don't know. I, I listen, he loves the show. Obviously, he's prime time for a reason. And you got to look at the jobs that are open and what are we talking? We're talking Colorado. Is that where he's going to end up? I don't know how that's going to work out. So I just, I'm very curious to watch what happens. What's the next step for coach prime. Uh, but this is a guy that, and, and, and obviously Dilfer got the UAB job. Dilfer and, and Dion are kind of tied for me because they're guys that, you know, they worked on the recruiting trail. They worked with like individual quarterback or cornerback coaching. And then they went into coaching and then they started to do well. And, Dion obviously did it in college. Dilfer did it in high school. 
So whatever the next step is for both of these guys, or, well, we know what Dover's next step is. Whatever the next step is for Coach Prime is going to be pretty interesting. So is this going to open things up for these sort of hires all over the place? Like the Texans a couple of years ago wanted to hire Josh McCown. Are we going to see that happen? You know, we saw Jeff Saturday. Is this a whole new frontier now for college and the NFL? I think college is a little more involved. And it's not just I know football really well. It's I, I have to know recruiting which is why I think Dion and Dilfer are a little bit different because they did a lot with respect to recruiting, um, working with actual recruits. But college, the ecosystem, I was talking to Richard Johnson from um, uh, Thinking Out Loud and um, Split Zone Zoom, and I was talking to him, and he was like, you got to have your in-house recruiting talk to your out-of-house recruiting. We got to talk to in-state recruiting versus out-of-state recruiting. We got to talk to to administrators. That we got to talk to HR. We got to talk to NIL. We got to connect all these pieces. So I think it's a little harder in college. I think in the NFL, we might start seeing it, if, especially if Saturday has some success. I was hitting you up on a former uh, group of five coaches who went to Power Five. Maybe it didn't work out in Power Five like Kevin Sumlin because out here we're looking at the UNLV job and what they're going to do. And I think yeah. I think that's the route they're going to go. What about a guy like Sumlin? And, and what about going after guys like that who are on the rebound after making the jump to Power Five? It didn't work out. I talked to Sumlin last night. He's like, he, everybody is looking for younger is one of the big things. Like they're looking for younger energy, whatever. Um, I think that there's also an element of it's hard to hire a guy that didn't, you know, that, that had to leave his last job. So I think there's a lot of different elements to all of this. Um, I think someone would be a great hire. This is a guy that he knows the game, loves the game. I also don't know how excited, how much he wants to not. Last night when I talked to him, he goes, we're at our Tucson home. And I was like, how many homes does this guy have? <laughs> because he's already, he's made a ton of money, but he does like football and coaching and helping kids. And I think that he would be a great hire. I I, I was wondering why Nebraska didn't call him because he can get them back into Texas, which would be really good in terms of recruiting. Um, they, they went with Matt Rule, who was another guy we expect to be able to get them back into Texas, but definitely think this is going to be an interesting season for the schools where guys leave to go up like a Cincinnati or for schools that have to make a decision to move on like a Colorado. All right, let's talk uh, title games. First of all, we got the Pac-12 title game here in Las Vegas. What do you think happens in the rematch with Utah and USC? Well, let me ask you, what do you think about the game being there? What do you mean? Like, it's, is it like, what's the vibe like? Is the city embracing the game? Like I live in Charlotte. And the city has fully embraced the ACC championship game. So what is the vibe like there? Because in Vegas, you guys got other stuff going on all the time. I, I think we've embraced these games. I don't know that you know it's going to be 25,000 locals. That's not going to happen. But will there be 5,000 locals, 10,000 locals? Probably. But the, here's the thing. For us, Utah is right here. And there's a ton of Utah fans in yeah. Las Vegas. So Utah will turn out 15,000, 20,000 fans. I'm curious on how much USC is going to travel. You would think they'd be max motivated, so it should be a monster crowd. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at because here, people don't know this, but Charlotte's a Clemson town when it comes to football. It's NC State, Clemson, and South Carolina are the three biggest football fan bases in Charlotte, so they're going to show up. And then you throw in UNC where if you went to high school in Charlotte, you probably also went to UNC. So it's going to be a big turnout. It's going to be an interesting game. But to go back to your point about the Pac-12 championship game, I – Utah can ruin the entire thing for everyone <laughs> if they win, or USC can take care of business. Uh, no Ken Cade is going to be a real problem for the Utes. He's one of their best players, obviously. Uh, they already lost Keithy, so you lose your two 
best players, uh, your two best pass-catching players, if you will, and then you've got to figure out a way to make it work. And USC is a weapon. I mean, Caleb Williams, this guy's an absolute superhuman freak. So watching them work, they know what's on the table. Lincoln Riley knows that in year one, he can get this team to the playoff, and that's going to be a real sight to see. I'm very excited for that Friday night. Will K-State pull the upset this time on TCU? I, I don't I don't think they will. Um, obviously, I wrote it in the bulletin, but I think TCU understands the assignment. Like, they know – and TCU, remember, uh, listen, they're once bitten, twice shy. So, for them, they understand what happened to them in 2014. They have to do every single thing to make sure that that doesn't happen to them again in 2022. I think it's good that this isn't the same staff, that this isn't this, these aren't the same players, that I think it's good that they have, they are removed from the situation – but again, they understand the assignment. They know that they are the team that the committee doesn't want to put in. They are the team that has to earn their way all the way in. And it's it, it, it started weeks ago. But the, the final step, the final threshold they have to cross to get into that house, if you will, is taking care of business against K-State. How does Purdue pull off the upset? Like so many teams have the last couple of weeks, and we thought this thing was all set repeatedly and teams keep getting knocked off. Can they hang with Michigan? They're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at him. That's another cool thing about talking to Kevin Sumlin on field of 12. He's a, he went to Purdue. So he's still connected to that program. And he's like, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Michigan. They're going to do everything they can to, to just – like because nobody expects them to win. So why wouldn't you run every trick play, every weird formation, go forward on fourth downs, fake punts, do all this stuff – just do whatever you want, because at the end of the day, if you lose, you lose. And that doesn't change your station at all. But if you win, you really upset the apple cart. Michael Felder, sign up for his bulletin up on Facebook. He's College Football Insider. You can find him on Twitter at In the Bleachers. Is uh, Clemson going to be motivated? I mean, there's so many dream crushers this year with these losses. North Carolina, obviously a talented team in North Carolina. Also, well, not that they had their dream crush, but obviously uh, not what they wanted a week ago. Well, two weeks ago, right? Back-to-back weeks. This is a team that was 9-1, and one, and now they're 9-3. and three. So I think the motivation for both teams is win the ACC. And I think for UNC, having not won the ACC, they, it, like in goodness gracious, years, decades, this is important for them because they can't achieve a milestone. And if we're talking about teams for 2023 – UNC, if if not now, when? This is a team that's going to have a Heisman front runner in Drake May. So if you can build that momentum starting by winning an ACC championship game, I think that's the motivation for UNC. As for Clemson, I, it feels like old hat, and that's not like a that's not an easy answer, but it does feel like old hat where this is a team that, hey, we show up in Charlotte, we got our routine. We have been here all with the exception of last year. They've been here every year. Every player on that roster that came to Clemson as a freshman, with the exception of last year's freshman, they have been to Charlotte already. So this is the first time for some of those sophomores in Charlotte, but the reality is these guys have been there. They've done that. They know what they're supposed to do. Check out Michael Felder on the uh, Learfield Podcast family. He does multiple podcasts. Mike, we appreciate a couple minutes today. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I'm sorry I had to run a little early, but it's always good to talk to you, Cofield. Have a good weekend. 
777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on NFL and Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. I'm excited to just play football in general. I'm in front of Cleveland Browns fans, but also in front of some of the Houston Texans fans. You know, I respect the whole organization of the Houston Texans. I respect them and their family. I respect everyone that was there that drafted me in 2017. It's been great memories, fun memories. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope is live on Cofield and Company. All right, we got a lot to get into with Xavier Pope out of Chicago. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? It's uh, Cofield and Von Tobel. Hey, pretty good. Uh, did you get any vegan Thanksgiving at all, Steve? Did you get any, get any, any of that type of stuff going on? I had stuffing, but it had sausage in it. Uh, vegan? I had, a, I had a salad with poppy seed dressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, huh? <laughs> I mean, you really can't even go vegan with mashed potatoes because you got to put gravy on them, and the gravy is going to be meat-based. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you use butter in them and all that, so yeah. I mean, you have to, like, intentionally create them. So, I, uh, I saw the feast you made. It had, like, 12 different items. That was pretty impressive. You know, I, just, I, I love making great, uh, great food. So, you know, it's uh, vegan stuffing, uh, vegan sh- shepherd's pie, a really fantastic recipe, um, purple sweet potato pie. Um, so, and a bunch of other dishes. I, I like to find new ways to create these great flavors and make my dishes look great as well. So, I'm pretty what, spectacular. Xavier, I'm a big fan of stuffing. What is the main difference between vegan stuffing and regular stuffing? Because I would assume that there's not a big difference, right? Well, it's not a huge difference. Essentially, what you're, you know, but a lot of times people you put egg in stuffing to keep yeah. the ingredients together, like egg white or egg wash. Um, so it's not with it; it doesn't have that in it. Also, some people will, will use like a beef broth or uh, to or some kind of uh, broth that's associated with putting inside of a turkey. Um, you don't do that with vegan stuff. You can use mushroom broth or use um, veggie broth for that. Xavier Pope is with us. Find him up on Twitter at Xavier Pope. He is the uh, originator of the Suit Up News podcast or Suit Up News on uh, on Twitter. All right, let's get into uh, the big story of the week. First of all, can we go back to the beginning of this whole thing? Because I th- feel like Jerry Jones in a photo in Little Rock uh, blocking African-Americans from coming into the school, like had a two-day news cycle. What exact, What happened with the coverage of this? Because I, I'll just tell you personally. Every time I see one of those photos, and this goes back, you know, basically my entire life, I get freaking enraged, and it seemed like there wasn't much of a reaction to Jerry Jones being part of this ridiculous portion of our history. Yeah, I, th- I think that, and it's also an indelible image, right? This is an image that many people have seen, um, and so this, it's not just something that just kind of someone pulled this from the archives. This is something that that we know as a, as a as a really a poignant image about locking out. African American children getting equal and quality education, um, and that's so much they had to sue for it. Um, and so I think that then also Jerry Jones and Harvard's politics and how he, in terms of the, the, the collusion suit that was brought by Colin Kaepernick and him never playing a game again in the National Football League, and then about him never hiring an African American coach, and so and then him his supporting uh, Donald Trump, so and who eventually had some of the same issues with fomenting an insurrection that looks a lot like what happened out at that school 65 years ago. And so there are so many different things you connect 
Jerry Jones' behavior, not growing from that moment. So what he plays black athletes. That's what so so did uh, uh the, the coach of Alabama in the seventies when they were getting their butts kicked by the West Coast team. They have black players on them, and so it, it, I think that the, the the lack of studying who the man is and who is to come. I think it was a it was a tremendous failing um by uh, by American media. Why do you think this happened? That it got little attention, and yet. We've talked about Kyrie Irving for weeks. Um, I mean, Kanye keeps making you know new news stories, but we talked about Kanye for weeks. I, is it? I mean, is it one of those things like, oh, we already knew that about Jerry Jones, so not a big deal because it's a big deal. That, well, that sucks. If we are accepting of of, of racist and racism and any inequality in our society, so much, so will we bake that into how we even analyze everything? And give a sort of innocence to um, certain behavior. Um, you know, if he was a wonderkin at that age, people would talk about that in terms of how that made him be a successful person. And he was up with tons of these tech bros all the time. And so I think that to, to discount that and what happened, I think it's foolish. And I think it just gives a, a measure of innocence to people that want to forget about our history. That's why to the people should. That's why critical race theory should be taught in institutions and in schools and colleges and law schools are, are ultimately important because we understand. What's happening now it didn't just drop out the sky. These things are impacted by some of the things that have happened in the past. If we didn't have a society that is still struggling to move past the moment of where Jerry Jones is outside of that school, we wouldn't have the same type of politics that are outside of the Capitol trying to tear down the government. Because Why would Stephen... Sorry, Xavier. Why would Stephen A. Smith step up to defend Jerry Jones? Oh, well, he was previously on any show selling his book saying he was his friend. And so I think there is a certain audience that I think that... Stephen A. Smith is trying to capture and keep who maybe look at his, who love him, who hey, he's, he's, he's loud, he's, he's, he's boorish, he doesn't really, he's someone that they could, he's an entertainer. And so for him to, he wanted to maybe defend somebody that's in this system, maybe certain access journalism. I think maybe him giving too much of the benefit of the doubt for Jerry Jones. I think it was a, a reckless thing for him to do, and I think he was very short-sighted to not really fully look into what this was all about and just focusing on this one picture instead of what happened since that picture occurred. And so I think it was very short-sighted. I think it was foolhardy by, by him. And I'm glad that LeBron James was the person who spoke up and said this is nonsense and we need to put a deep attention on this the same way you're keeping on the, these uh, African-Americans when they screw up as well. Well, let's talk LeBron. Do you have any issue with him basically chiding the media for not asking about Jerry Jones, not asking not a- him since he's asked about these topics all the time? He is, and I think we, we all know that, right? Every now, every now, LeBron James asks for all types of social issues, and I think that the bigger issue is that a lot of times the media, why are you really asking LeBron James about this? Are you asking about this because you really want to see his leadership and understanding on this particular issue, or are you really seeking to criticize African Americans as a group? Hey, by quote unquote, this is what your leader says about this particular issue, and and I mean he's been asked about China, he's been asked about. Uh, all, variety of other athletes and other sports. So this is not outside the bounds. And he also has an interest in ownership after he finishes playing. So these are not outside the bounds of asking LeBron James that question. And I think he also took that time, not only because he wasn't asked, to say, I have something to say about this in our society and the politics that are going on in our society and us trying to continue to sweep what's happening in plain sight under the rug. 
And it's also, I wanted to point this out, Xavier, because I initially, when I heard LeBron, because I was watching the press conference, I was like, well, why would he say that? It was pointed out, I think it was Jamel Hill, right, that he was a Cowboys fan growing up, that he has been outspoken about um, Jerry Jones and the Kaepernick situation. Like, there's actually a direct line to him, the Cowboys, and why he would be asked about this. Absolutely. He said he's not a Cowboys fan anymore because right. of the politics right. of Jerry Jones. So this, is, this, is, this didn't come out of the sky. He didn't just say, I'm about to make a – a what about argument to defend Kyrie Irving because I once played with him. He's one of, he's one of the NBA brethren. This is something that he has been outspoken about before. He's been outspoken about a lot of issues, and I think that he knew uniquely this was a, a poignant part of time to really be able to spotlight some of the hypocrisy in our society and use his platform to be able to do that. Now this is not a one one or two days story about Jerry Jones. This is going to be talking about on Sunday shows before the games are going to be happening. This is going to happen for the rest of the season with Jerry Jones. And, I, I, and we, there's also a suit that's going on in terms of Brian Flores' suit with, with, the, with the National Football League. And so I think that this is going to have a real on-the-field, off-the-field impact at how the NFL addresses some of the issues that are happening at Good Old Boys Club. Xavier Pope up on Cofield and Company. Can we talk about a serious mental health issue? Antonio Brown. Seriously, there, there's there's something wrong. See, I'm not am not a medical expert, right. and so I, I won't speculate as to what issue mental issues that he has going on. But I will say that there are police outside of his home right now calling for him to come out of, outside of the house after throwing a shoe at his ex at his ex wife or uh, ex spouse, and then also threatening to shoot and kill her. Um, and now he's in his home, and police are outside of home calling on a megaphone for him to come out. They said they've already talked to his lawyer, according to reports, and also said they're knocking on his door. This is happening as we are on this conversation right now um, by Capitol Police to pull Antonio Brown out of the house. Who knows what the guy is capable of doing to himself and for others if he's willing to harm others, put, his own, just put someone out of his house and then barricade himself in with the police outside? This situation is absolutely out of control. He is out of control. It's been a really terrible fall for him as a person, um, and I, I, he, he definitely needs help, but right now he needs to get arrested. Xavier, I've always thought this because I, I found it somewhat reckless. A lot of people like to point to him getting injured in that game where Vontis Burfecht hits him. It, it, that's kind of like reckless speculation, right? He could have always been like this, but it's starting to come out. Like I've always felt uncomfortable just assuming that hit to the head is what led to Antonio Brown being who he is today. But that's not a fair to Vontaze Burfitt, right? I know he, we, he did have a, a reputation as a dirty player. We, no question about that. But some of the speculation as to what hit did it, I think that's absolutely unfair. The second thing is so what this does is try to put people off the hook who maybe have had personal issues prior to any exhibiting any forms of mental illness. I mean, we see this with Kanye West happening right now. We see um, um, this. We saw this with Aaron Hernandez and during his his trial and what happened with him and trying to separate the monster from the mental illness due to the, the, the historic nature of the CTE he had. And so I think it's important, you know, we can talk about the mental health issues and important to raise more awareness of it, but we can't necessarily separate that from some of the actions that harm other people. Xavier Hope on the horn in Chicago with Cofield and company. Last minute here, I think this is really important. It's one of our local uh, athletes, uh, you know, a big star here, big star around the country, and Kelsey Plum. I know you saw the uh, the podcast with Kelsey Plum talking about the particulars of WNBA pay. What did you find interesting here about what Kelsey Plum was saying? 
Well, well, I thought it was interesting because she said she didn't want to get paid like NBA players like LeBron James. She said she wanted to get paid a fair share of of the basketball-related income, DRI. Um, when, but she did talk about jersey, jersey sales, having her jersey sold at Mandalay Bay and her not getting a dime. Um, when the, their, the, the collective bargaining agreement with the WNBA does grant a 50% of jersey sales, and so I was really intrigued as to where she was going with that. But I think the most interesting part about it was uh, her really trying to say, we really want to grow the sport so that our share does actually have some real value so that we don't have to do some of the things that Brittany Griner did. I don't think she said that as, as deftly as she should have, um, but she said it enough that I thought it was interesting to focus on the share of revenue, not on, hey, we need to get paid dollar for dollar the same as, as the athletes in the NBA. Right, which is a good way to approach it because that's realistic. You're, you know, I think most WNBA players are like, listen, we're not going to get $60 million, but we're not getting our right. fair share. I mean, that that's a realistic conversation, and yet – you know, the sad part is it becomes such an echo chamber on uh, Twitter with bots and buffoons who are anti-female sports. I mean, going back to when the Aces had their big parade here in town, the comments underneath, you know, some of the celebration, it was just pure buffoonery and, and kind of disgusting. And I, I mentioned bots. There, there are a lot of guys out there who just hate women and hate seeing women have success and hate females in athletics. They, they really hate it because these same women were, were, were taking them to school when they're in college and, and embarrassing them and breaking their ankles. Um, that that couldn't, could stand in five seconds against a WNBA player. And I, I, those guys really need to, need to go get their testicle count checked because uh, they have some issues. But I think that it, for the most part, is women, if you don't like women's sport as a guy, don't watch it. Shut up. Don't pay attention to it. But there are plenty of people who would love the sport. And with the, the value of live sports being better than this, it's ever been. It's just a, a tremendous opportunity for women's sports to continue to make money and continue to put them, women in position so they can continue to make more money in their respective sports and so they don't have to do some of the things that happen that put, that put Brittany Griner uh, in jeopardy and, put, and jeopardize her freedom. Last 30 seconds here. Uh, what's on Suit Up News? Who, who you know what we're talking about. We're talking about what LeBron James said about Jerry Jones. Digging into that a little bit and also talking about what happened with Kanye West and uh, how he's falling off, and some of the different um, the, the aspects of how this is going to be looked at in terms of his future is his, his ability to even make a living um, as a performer. So that's coming up. Sunday is what we're projecting. I'm feeling a little bit more confident about this platform in terms of what the future is, not necessarily because the guys are owning it, but I think that people are sticking around here for a while to see what's happened. Go to hashtag shoot up news. I added all my, my timeline, add Xavier to post to see the latest episode. Have a good weekend. We appreciate it. Love you guys. Holler. There he is. Love you. Do I have to do a holler at the end? It'll sound ridiculous. No, just say you love him. Yeah, there you go. Makes it all good. Three o'clock hour on the way. John Von Tobel, Steve Cofield hanging out here at Silver 7, 77 cent. Beers for the uh, National Football League game tonight. Thursday night football is on the way.